This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Gosh, I'd forgotten about Mystery Hour. Well, I hadn't really, because I made that little inquiry about the future status of Gibraltar, didn't I? 03456060973 is the number that you need. Um, you are indeed listening to James O'Brien's Mystery Hour on LBC, and... It's your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction not ordinarily available anywhere else on your radio dial. I um, routinely invite you to ring in with silly questions, serious questions, big questions, small questions, but my explanations are meaningless, really, in the broader context of things, because the only way you can fully appreciate just how broad the gamut of inquiry is every Thursday at 12 is, is by listening. If you haven't listened before, just give yourself five minutes, you'll soon get the picture. A couple of heads ups. There is an astonishing award up for grabs for people whose qualifications to answer a question are appropriate beyond belief. We've had a couple of classics lately, um, including a question about the singing of Abide With Me at FA Cup finals that was answered by the grandson, I think, of the man that used to conduct the orchestra at the FA Cup finals. And his, his nan was in possession of the document left by the man that built Wembley instructing his conductor as to why Abide With Me would be played. And there was an attendant little issue about why a certain verse would be missed out. Just magical. So that, that, that will earn you uh, an award, a special little clip of a famous Hollywood actor that I will explain the relevance of if and when we have to. Um, otherwise, you get a, a mystery hour round of applause. That's, it's the second most prestigious award available anywhere on British radio. And to get one of those, all you have to do is answer a question. You're not allowed to look anything up for reasons that I often hope are obvious, but I fully appreciate why they're not immediately obvious to everybody. We could all Google it, right? So it's, it's, it's however keen you might be to hear your dulcet tones ringing out from a radio speaker near you, we would not have spent the last few years conducting this feature if it was essentially a bloke on the radio asks a question, a bloke at home Googles it and then rings in with the answer. That's why I ask what your qualifications are. A, because it opens up fascinating stories and doors like the one I just shared with you. What are your qualifications? And then it turns out he's just found his gran and got the got the gen on why the, the hymn is sung and the family connects. So that that is a brilliant example of, of qualifications, but it's a celebration of of a bygone age almost. <clears throat> You know, an age, I say this increasingly, actually, because it's becoming more and more evident. As I look at my children doing their homework or, or, or researching their projects, and they treat knowledge very, very differently from us. You don't have to have it at your fingertips in the way that we do. I'd be finished. My whole act is based on having a, a, a certain degree of facility and quick recall and, and a very good magpie-style memory. That's my whole. That's my whole shtick, you know. All, all of these people who get dismantled live on air. It's just because I can remember stuff, facts actually. But what? How important is a? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An archive of facts in someone's brain. If you've got every fact in history a nanosecond away on your phone, on your smartphone. Nine minutes after 12 is the time. Um, I, I will actually, he's rung in, bless him. Thank you, Phil. We'll talk to Phil in Gibraltar tomorrow about what might happen there because I don't understand it and I know it sounds a little bit self-aggrandizing and obviously I don't consume 24 hours of media every day across all channels and, and, and stations and platforms. But why is nobody else asking these questions? You know, 
nobody really capable of putting together a strong case for resisting the suggestion that Brexit's going to break up Britain. And similarly, Gibraltar, which is usually one of those things that are furiously hard of thinking flag wavers, cite as evidence of their powerful patriotism. Gibraltar hasn't been mentioned in the British media for months. It probably has, but it's not getting as much coverage as, I don't know, Anne Widdicombe's just given a speech about how undemocratic the European Parliament is. Remind me how Anne Widdicombe got into the European Parliament? Yeah, that's where we are as a country now. I should never, ever, ever have let the law of Widdicombe subside, should I? Remember the law of Widdicombe? Very, very early on in my broadcasting career, we framed the law of Widdicombe, which very simply explained why, if you were unsure what to think about any given issue, you should find out what Widdicombe thought and do the exact opposite. You couldn't go wrong. And now the woman is standing up in the European Parliament, to which she's just been democratically elected, claiming that the European Parliament is not democratic. It'd be funny if it was another country it was happening to. Hinda is in Finsbury Park to kick us off this week. Hinda, question or answer? Um, question, please. Carry on. Um, I would like to know where urban foxes, foxes that live in cities, go, go for drinking water. What? Um, yeah, where do they go to drink water? Especially where, it, you know, in the heat like this, where do they go to drink? Oh. Water. Yeah, I know what water. I mean, I mean, where, where do you think they go? Like ponds and puddles and things? Well, there are no puddles in London. No, but there's um, ponds. Hard, not, not in the summer. Ponds. They can lick water off stuff. They can get they get water yeah. out of stuff that they... I mean, what do you think? Do you think there's going to be like a Serengeti-type watering hole in the middle of Finsbury Park where all the foxes gather at dusk? I don't... No, I don't well, well, what do you mean then? I, I would like where to do know all the where rats get go. their water? Where do the rats and the squirrels get their water from? The rats and squirrels are quite small, so they 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 can find little bits of water. But the foxes are quite big, and they need, especially when it's so hot, they need a good amount of water to to dehydrate them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I haven't seen any puddles of water. Not in the summer. Like canals, or ponds, canals, and or... rivers and things. No, they'd fall into canals and rivers if they tried to drink. It's not surface. It's no, not like on the surface. They'd find a bit the where world. they wouldn't fall in. They'd have little. So I mean, you, you, they'd just. I, mean, I might be slightly misunderstanding the question, in which case I apologise in advance. But they I, will, I think you are because. Well, hang on a minute. I've I think never, you are. I've, I've, I've never seen a fox um, drinking water out of out of the canal. I've. I've it's not possible because it would fall into yeah, the all right. canal. Well, well not, not, there's bits of the canal where they would be able to reach. There's a canal near me where the water is about one inch lower than the bank, as, as, as the, so they could drink water there. Similarly, they can go down to the riverbank and, and drink. Where do badgers get their water from? Um, I have no idea. That's why I'm asking. But I've, I've looked around. And all right. I'm, 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 I'm feeling bad now because you're feeling a bit bullied and I don't want you to feel bullied because it's not like you're here talking nonsense about Brexit. So I, I will put the question on the board. But the answer... Yeah, and can I, can I ask... No. Can I ask... No. The, please, please, please. No. Can I ask the people listening to put cup, little bowls of water outside their door or in their garden just for foxes? No, and you absolutely can't. Not unless you're going to say the same for I've, rats. I've asked are you going to feed the rat? Do you feed the rats? You're going to give little sources of ratty water, are you, to to encourage more vermin into people's gardens? Absolutely not. What a ridiculous suggestion. 
In fact, now I come to think of it, I shall I shall be putting nets over any bodies of water near me to stop the nasty foxes from having a drink. Hopefully they'll dehydrate to death and then some chickens will be able to roam free through the gardens of Chiswick as opposed to being butchered, butchered, I say, by the foxes that you so pathetically support. 12.13 is the time. Where do foxes get water from? 03456060973. Khalid is in Forest Gate. Khalid, question or answer? It's a question, James. Yeah. It's not about foxes, the question is, is uh, no, I've seen foxes. They look manky and they hide under school. They drink water, they drink water out of bowls, of you know, rainwater bowls. Anyway, we've got it's a what a ridiculous question, honestly. Carry on. Yeah. My question is, um, how are magnets made? So um, a couple of weeks ago, I had to take apart my washing machine. I saw loads of magnets at the back of the uh, washing machine. Yeah. And I also remember that nomads, people in Pakistan, as many, many decades ago you used to walk around with a stick with a magnet to collect uh, iron stuff yeah from dust and uh, so i just thought how are magnets made and uh, <laughs> my dad also collects magnets from speakers and all that uh, so uh, you 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 need some i uh, see this is a brilliant question because it's actually quite philosophical it's a bit like the existence of god you know, if you're discussing, no, what, seriously, you know, when you're discussing the existence of God and someone will say, yeah, but who made that? It always existed. And who made that? And who made that? So I know that you can make a magnet if you've got another magnet. If you've got some magnetized um, uh, metal, then you can make another yeah. magnet by rubbing it. You draw the North Pole. Uh, away from the set, you just polarize another piece of magnetizable metal, but that involves the existence of a magnet in the first place. So presumably, and some people who are more knowledgeable than you and me, Khalid, will already be laughing at us now. Presumably, yeah. you, you dig some metal out of the ground and it's already magnetic. And the magnets, they're always like a very, a very dark uh, gray color. So your microphone or the speaker um, will have a magnet in it as well. Yes, no, I, I mean, th th that's an interesting aside, but it's not relevant to the question that's being asked. How do we make magnets? It, 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 it leads, I think, to the question about naturally occurring magnetic bodies. And that, that is, I suspect, where the answer will take us. But we'll only find out. 03456060973. I'm in complete agreement with Alison and Harry. Harry's got in touch to say this is not a good start to mystery. Huh? Alison writes, rubbish question. Foxes and water. Honestly, I don't know why I bother. This is LBC. This is LBC Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Call 0345 6060 973. 12.19 is the time. It is mystery hour, but I'm not accepting questions about what on earth Anne Widdicombe is, is, is playing at, standing up as a democratically elected MEP, complaining about the lack of... Oh, jeez, what, what have we done to our country? It really is staggering. But, but mystery hour is supposed to provide light relief from the quotidian misery. 90 minutes after 12 is the time. 03456060973 is the number that you need. Where do foxes get their water from i you know because the person who asked that question began to sound a little aggrieved at the rather robust reaction that she got from me i should make it clear when i when i monster a questioner it's my surreptitious way of monstering whoever has put the question through to air i shouldn't really shoot the um actually i, sh I suppose i am shooting the messenger aren't i but the, but the point is a fox is a dog right so it's a bit like asking if you take your dog for a walk where does it get water from 
There's no mystery there. Just watch the dog. It will sometimes tool down to the water's edge, have a bit of a lick out of the old river. There are bowls of water in back gardens. Foxes will drink out of those. If you've got an upturned dustbin lid on your allotment, that will have filled up with water and a fox will come along and have a little slurp. But anyway, we, we need someone to ring in and tell us where foxes get water from when it's hot. And how do you make magnets? Michael's in Reading. Michael, question or answer? Uh, question, please. Okay, it better be good, mate. I'm going off on one already. Oh, I was sort of, no pressure. Yeah, seriously. What have you got? Um, you drink green tea, I don't do. you? Yeah, I do. I've just got so, I'll, have a li- I'll tell you what, box. I'll have a little slurp. It might calm me down a bit. All over the box, they normally say naturally <sighs> free in caffeine. Yes. Not Which on green tea. Makes... There's caffeine in green tea. It's just very slow. Oh, okay. release. Put... Yeah. But but anyway, oh, you mean a caffeine-free coffee or a caffeine-free yeah, tea? Yeah. So how how is the caffeine extracted from coffee and tea when I'm pretty sure they naturally contain caffeine? I knew this once, and I've forgotten. I hate it when that happens. You're I not love it. You, you're not going to accept chemistry as an answer, are you? Um. Yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't. I want to do chemistry. It's so, so, how do you get the caffeine out of coffee? You make the coffee. No, because you can get decaffeinated filter coffee, can't you, as well? Not just mm-hmm. instant coffee. So, I can't remember. I write it's on the board. How do you get the caffeine out of coffee? And by association, probably tea as well. I like that one. Yes. Okay, 21 minutes after 12. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three is the number that you need if you want to answer that. Uh, Simon is in Wembley. Simon, question or answer? Hi, James. It's Hello, a Simon. question, please. Yes. Um, just reading what Prince William was saying the other week about how he would support his children if one of them came out as gay. Yes. Uh, and it got me wondering, if a member of the royal family were to ascend the throne, or we had a sitting monarch who was gay and wanted to marry their partner... Constitutionally, would they be allowed to marry a same-sex partner, and would that partner be given any sort of title or recognition? So, if a member of the fam- royal family were were gay, yes, I'm supposing one of William, for example's uh, children ascended the throne, and they were gay. No, I know what the royal family is. Yes, Why wouldn't sorry. they be allowed to marry a same-sex partner? I don't know because it's something that I suppose has never happened in the in the royal family before. I wondered if they would be too traditional about it. Well, that's not, a, that's not a question about f- facts. I mean, there's no reason why they wouldn't be allowed to marry a same-sex partner. I, I, I imagine that they would be. I would hope they would. Yeah, I would too, but it's not... Well, would they Would they be given any sort of recognition then, maybe, like a title? Would they... Yeah, they, would they, they of course, be... it'd be, be the Duke and Duke of Cornwall, wouldn't it? Well, or the Duchess and Duchess. Two Duchesses. Before. I just wondered if... Uh... I Some don't of the know old that. I, might I try and uh, try and suppress it. Or, well, then, yeah, or, but that's not a mystery hour question, is it? That's a sort of theoretical speculation on how some people might behave in a set of as yet unestablished circumstances. Mm, so I, I agree with you. I mean, that's like a normal phone in. Is that we could probably find someone to ring in and say, "I don't think that a gay royal should be allowed to marry another fellow." It's not what we won the war for or oh. the World Cup. You'll get some, but but you know, oh, sure. forget it. I, I don't know that there would be a, a substantive answer to your question. I shall find out for you. Thank you. There might be another country somewhere in the world where a royal has married someone of the same sex. Would that count as an answer to your question? Uh, I, I suppose so, yes, why not? Well, Probably Scandinavia off the top. They're always at that, that, that kind of thing. They're always ahead of the curve in Scandinavia. But thank you, Simon. I shall try and find out. 
But I got a suspicion we ain't going to find out any time soon in the context of the British royal family. 24 minutes after 12. Dave's in Derby. Dave, what would you like to say? Hi, James. Hello. It's David in Derby. How are you, boy? Right? Very good, David. How lovely to hear from you. How's life in Derby? I was born in Derby, you know. They I should... know. I, I, but why do you always keep mentioning Kidderminster? Well, I, I moved to Kidderminster when I was three and a half, but I was born in Derby. Is, have they put a blue plaque up yet, Dave? Do not you know? yet, What? Yeah, outrageous. Not. I would in because it's just been announced that Lampard's gone back to Chelsea. Sorry, Gather, but I, it's an odd appointment now. We don't really do football phoners, but he, I mean, he, he, he produced the mustard, kind of produced the goods for you a bit. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, but he, he didn't do enough to plaque. get one of the biggest jobs in the world, I wouldn't have thought. But yeah. then again, it's all about loyalty and history and tradition. Should we have a mystery question? Now, Let's do it. You know what posh events and everything? Well, yes. Why do people walk down the red carpet? As opposed to any other kind of carpet. Yeah. Oh, well, this is, I think this is quite straightforward. Well, I know that it goes back to the ancient Greeks. Hey? What do you mean, They didn't hey? have film premieres, did no, they? No, they didn't, but they had a f- important events. All right, they, yeah, yeah, Important yeah. events. Like gladiators, So something yeah. like a crimson path or something like that uh, in, in, in the context of um, Agamemnon. So Ooh. I presume it's either walking on the blood of your vanquished enemies, which is oh. a little bit grisly. Hmm. Or, as with purple and Romans wearing purple, probably the, it was the most expensive dye. I'm dye, I'm David, dye, I'm dye. Dye, Darby, David. Darby, dye. Dye. Not that <laughs> kind of... I'll leave with you, James. No, well, yeah, all right. But Thank I think you. I've answered it, but I'll leave it on there anyway. Why, Bless why, why, why car? I think it's probably because they would be the poshest carpets, the most expensive. And, and what, what have we missed here, Dave? David died. David, Darby died. What, what, what have we missed? I don't understand. Well, we've missed another Kidderminster connection. Oh, the carpet! Not the carpets! Blinking it. I, I thought that was Axminster. No, Kidderminster. Well, is Axminster a place? Axminster is also a carpet place, I think, or, or a type of carpet, but Kidderminster was the carpet capital of the free world for many, 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 many years. Not anymore, of course. 26 minutes after the top. Oh, there's a museum, and they sent me a lovely letter. And they've got a, a really lovely letter with puns in it and, and reflections on stuff we've covered on the programme as well. And it looks brilliant. I think I'm up this weekend, so I shall try and pop in. But if you get the chance to go to the Carpet Museum in Kidderminster, you absolutely should. Not just because they sent me a lovely letter, but because I had a look at the um, website and there's some amazing, just really, really interesting. If you are, like me, interested in history and fascinating things like Davis, Claire's in Plymouth. Claire, question or answer? Hello, James. Hello. Lovely, lovely to speak to you. I'm oh. actually uh, oh. off sick today, off work, so I've been meaning to phone him for. You sound fine. Oh, to thank me. you. You're just <laughs> you the lead. You're swinging the lead. There's nothing. What's wrong with you? I'm, I'm poorly sick. Really? Poorly sick. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. I won't cast aspersions on your credibility, but you sound fine. You sound absolutely fine to me. Question well, or answer? Thank you. It's a question. You're yes. getting a lot of questions today, aren't well, you? That's how it works generally. We need questions before we can get answers. Well, I'm really, I'm just really sorry that I can't answer the fox water. I've question. already answered it. You have, yeah, you have. But I've got to come up with some uh, random explanation. Let's do it. An answer for her, right? Motorway numbers. Yeah. Explain. I need them explained. So you've got the M1, yep. two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Which I where well, I was brought up. Um, eight, nine, no ten, and then when you get to the teens. You've only got the M18. This is, there You've is only an one rule on, on Mystery Hour, which is that mm-hmm. we don't take motoring questions. That is the only rule. How on earth did you get on air? This is motorway. 
Yeah, but, I mean, there is literally or... only one rule in the whole history of this show. We never take questions about roads. Well, can I ask you a question? My other question, no. then, that's always I, I, This me. is astonishing. Like some sort of coup is underway in the, in the, on the programme. <laughs> I, mean, I do apologise. I didn't know. I know you didn't know. I've already explained that when I start coating a caller for asking a ridiculous question, what I'm actually doing is coating whoever put it through to the studio. Can we, can we not put it down as highways, then? Even if it's highways, we don't do motoring questions because they're so boring. Ah, but, but when you think about it, why? Why isn't there? I can understand the 13. Yeah, but you need to ask a question. I'll let you on, Claire, because you're poorly. All right? Thank you. You need to ask Thank a you. question that is easily answerable in a sentence. So you can't say, explain to me why there's no M10 and, and this and that and that. Just ask me one question. I just wanted to know who decided. But the other question was be, why don't we see any dead birds? No, 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 no. Now you're just mocking me. 28 minutes up foxes, you see. Well, they're so thirsty, they can't find any water. They go and eat dead birds. 29 minutes after 12 is the time. Um, origins of red carpets is a symbol of opulence and, and privilege. I can't, I can't imagine members of the royal family being in any way prevented from being able to have a same-sex marriage, but I wonder if there is any formalised uh, description of that. How do they get caffeine out of coffee in order to make, particularly filter coffee, because you can imagine how they might make instant. How do you make magnets? Um, well, I know how you make a magnet, but you need a magnet to do it. Uh, and where do foxes get their water from, honestly? It's coming up to half past 12. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. And I, I don't think the motorway question was um, neat enough. I think she might have been a bit delirious. She was obviously under-reporting the extent of her symptoms of her illness because I think she might have had some sort of delirium to ring in with, A, with a question like that, and B, it, it wasn't even really a question. You, motorways get numbered according to what's next. So whatever the maximum motorway is now, if we built a new motorway, it would be that plus one, wouldn't it? This is why we don't do motoring questions. It's half past 12. Lisa Aziz is here with the headlines. Mystery Hour on LBC with James O'Brien. 12.35 is the time. Mystery Hour is upon us. Um, I don't know where magnets come from originally. I know you can make a magnet with a magnet, but the magnets come out of the ground magnetised. Don't laugh. It's not my question. Uh, although I confess I don't know the answer to it. How do you decaffeinate coffee? Uh, I know the answer to this, but it was a sort of speculative question from Simon. So if you are in desperate need of a Mystery Hour round of applause, I, I think there's one here just very, very low-hanging fruit. Will... Um, uh, I, I think Prince George would be the first male royal to be born into the royal family after equal marriage legislation was introduced. So would Prince George be able to have a same-sex marriage? And if he did, I, I mean, what I would have asked, I think, because I'm pretty sure he would be, what would the titles be? Would you have two dukes? I don't know. It's a lovely question. Uh, and staying on matters royal in a way, the red carpet, what's the origin of the red carpet as a signifier of status? Uh, Jonathan is in Cumbledon. Jonathan, question or answer? Answer. Carry on. Um, so the decaffeination process for coffee yeah. um, happens when the coffee beans are picked um, and the caffeine is soaked from the coffee beans before they are roasted. How? Uh, it goes through a process where they are soaked for a number of hours and then dried out. That would take all the coffee flavour out. That would take all the coffee flavour. 
No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, because it's done at a certain temperature, the coffee flavour stays. Oh, OK. The beans are then dried out and packaged up as green coffee beans before they're imported into whatever roastery is then roasting them coffee beans and then turning them into, say, filter coffee or espresso coffee beans. Qualifications? I work in the coffee industry. And have you witnessed this? I have, yes. In, in, in the factory itself. Um, and also during the packaging process. I, uh, I think you're right. I, I'm just a little bit irritated because one of my local coffee shops has, has been in touch to say they rang in with the answer, but they were told that there was already someone on the line. So, I, I mean, you're in Cheshire, right? Whereabouts is Cumbledon? Congleton in Cheshire. I thought it was C- Cumbledon. I know where Congleton is. It's, it's like a conspiracy yeah. of dunces today on the programme. Con- Congleton in Cheshire is an actual place. Cumbledon. In Cheshire is not, but I'm not going to be in Congleton anytime soon. Whereas Tamp Coffee on Devonshire Road in Chiswick, I could have popped in there later and got a freebie. And now you've blown it for me. I'm really sorry. I'm a first-time caller and a long-time listener. Good so man. Thank you very much for having me, James. No, great answer. Accept your round of applause with my compliments. Twelve thirty-eight is the time. So we've crossed one off the board. We've still got room, of course, for plenty more. Um, I'll take the urban fox question. Where do urban foxes get their water from? Because it is bleeding obvious, but sometimes explaining the bleeding obvious can be helpful. Do do, do magnets exist naturally? Is that where the original magnetism started? Royal family and same-sex marriage, is there any formal guidance on that? If if Prince George were to have a same-sex marriage, what would his partner be called? I think that's a brilliant question. That bit of it, but that's, of course, not what Simon asked. The origins of the red carpet, and I think a question, I suppose, again, in the interest of me being such a decent fellow, a question about where motorways or or how motorways are named and numbered. If you can answer any of those, or indeed if you have a question of your own, 0345 6060 973 is the number that you need. Um, Tony's in rugby. Tony, question or answer? Uh, I've got a question. Yeah. when did we tarmac all our roads? It's not a car-related thing. It's for transport, obviously. That's all right. I mean, we've got Sherlock Holmes driving around his cobbled street. Yes. Beginning of the century. Well, I, I mean, it, it'd be roughly shortly after tarmac was invented, wouldn't it? Well, we've got, we got the First World War in the way, taking up people. We've had a recession in the 20s. Uh, Second World War, recession in the 70s. I mean, if you think how long it takes them to just build a bit of road nowadays, I mean... I understand the question. I think I don't, I don't yeah, know off yeah. the top of my head. It's Tom Macadam, isn't it? Was it, was it invented by someone yeah, called Macadam? Right. So you're looking. Yeah. I mean, one imagines that it happened shortly after. Uh, shortly well, after tarmac was invented, but I'll find out. I'll find out for you when yeah. when we're all our roads tarmac. Nice one. Twelve forty is the time. Oh three four five six oh six oh. Nine seven three. I don't quite understand the point about the magnetic North Pole proving that magnets happen naturally, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not clever in all disciplines. Some of you may consider me to be not clever in any disciplines, but I don't quite get it. So explain it to me. If I dug, could I dig a magnet out of the ground that would be already magnetised? Because if not, I don't know where magnets come from. Mick's in the Isle of Wight. Mick, question or answer? Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure and honour to get for you. Is it Dave or is it James today? Say again? Is it Dave or 
James. James. Steve Oates. As, oh, it's James still, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, your mate calls you uh, Dave. Oh, uh, no, Steve. Oh, yes, yeah, very good. Carry on. <laughs> Bless yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, that's really dropped. Anyway. I'm what was it today? Was day. it magical hour today? Because I don't get up early enough to listen to Steve. I, I catch the podcast whenever I can. But what was he saying today? Was it going to be magical? I, I didn't catch it, to, I didn't catch oh, it today, right. but Sorry. normally he refers to you as Dave. But Dave anyway, O'Brien. Question. question. Uh, basically, I was thinking about my old dad the other day. And when yeah. we were like... Uh, when, we, when, when me and my uh, family were knitters, yes. we'd done something wrong. He'd say, for Pete's sake. He would, yes. He wouldn't use the other word, but he'd say, for Pete's sake. Who, who, the, who, the, is, who, is, who is Pete? Well, you've, you've almost answered it, because when you said he wouldn't say the other word, without obviously saying what the other word was, give us a clue as to what word you were thinking of. Well, it, without using the F word. Oh, OK, no, because I, I thought you were going to say something about, you know, J- Jesus or something like that. No, 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 I mean, why Pete? Why not, why not, uh, why not for, Jan- for James' sake? Yeah, because who, who was, who was Jesus's who number two? No, I can tell you the answer to this. Who was Jesus's number two? Who was the, the rock on which he built the church? Um, was it, was it Peter? Or? Yeah, well done, they see, mate, he works it out. So no, if... You, if if I was to say for Crikey's, if I was to say the the, the name of Jesus in in well, I would be blaspheming, you see, in the olden days. But if I substituted the word the name of Jesus for the name of his best mate Peter, then I wouldn't actually be blaspheming, but everyone would know that I was swearing or making an oath. So I would instead of saying for, you know, Crikey's yeah. sake, I'd say. I think that's probably where crikey come as well, so that it's like a sort of euphemistic version of a swear of a blasphemy. I say for Pete's sake, referring to Saint Peter. So for so it's a bit like saying for God's sake. You say for Pete's sake, and it avoids any deliberate blasphemic offence. Right, you're 100% sure. Uh, mate, come on. Of course I yeah, I give you mean it's a beautiful answer. I, I really resent yeah, your skepticism. It, it, it sounds good. I, I resent your skepticism. Anyone can challenge your. Uh, no, you're ridiculous. It, I, you should just be grateful. Frankly, you should. <laughs> Probably bend the knee in honour of my superb questioning answer skills. I'm going to give myself a round of applause now. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. 12.43 is the time. So we still need carpets, tarmacs, motorways, royal families, equal marriage. Is that, that, I'm changing that question because I can. If, if Prince George has a same-sex marriage, as his dad, Prince William, has already said he'd be perfectly comfortable with, what would his partner be called? What title would his partner get? Uh, 12.43 is the time. Chelsea is in Bury St Edmunds. Chelsea, question or answer? Question. Carry please. on. So, the phrase Dutch courage... Yes. So, have some Dutch courage. Why is it Dutch? Why is it not English courage or French courage or, you know, German courage? Why is it Dutch and where does it come from? Gin. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I so didn't know that. Everyone was drinking gin not that long ago. I mean, Hogarth Gin Lane would be the most famous depiction of it. And most of our gin came through a free trade agreement, just to bring Brexit into things, with Holland. Actually, I don't know if there's a free trade agreement or not. But the gin came in from Holland. Having a quick tot of something sort of gave you a bit of confidence, gave you a little bit of lead in your pencil. And because gin was almost always Dutch and the strongest alcohol you could buy was pretty much gin, it became known as Dutch Courage. Well, there we go. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Another round of applause for me. Thank you, Chelsea. You see, I'm so cocky about being able to answer that question that I am um, not going to complain about the fact that we're only supposed to have one origins of phrases question on the board each week. 12.44 is the time. Mystery Hour on LBC with James O'Brien.
12.47 is the time. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. And um, the question's in need of answers. When do we tarmac all the roads? Why do we use red carpets to uh, signify status? Where do magnets come from? And, sorry, but where do foxes get their water from? Brian is in Sunbury. Brian, question or answer? Answer. Carry on, Brian. Magnets. Oh yes. Uh, it, it, it's a very proprietary and specialised process, but basically you get a bit of iron out of the ground, yeah. add impurities to it, like rare earths, like cobalt, and it's uh, I don't even know what small percentages, which make it much more easy to magnetise strongly. Yes. And then you put it in an electromagnetic field and turn the electricity on. But then we had magnets before we had electricity. We did, and you had to dig out magnetic stone or iron material from the ground, lodestone, I think it was so, called. So you, so you can, there is naturally occurring magnetic material is the answer, I think. Yeah, it's very weak. You would never want to use it for anything practical, like, you know, the little speakers, the earphones that go in your ear. You oh, really? So, so, so that's yeah. all linked to the discovery of electricity, that kind of magnetism? Yes. And what? And, what... and the materials technology that makes the magnets much more powerful for a given size. And that'll just be trial and error, presumably. They've just mixed up lots of different compounds until they've come up with the one that can be most successfully and powerfully magnetised. Used to much cleverer than that now because they can look at materials at molecular and atomic levels and see how they combine and, and figure they can. out. Um, I've yeah. got, I think I've got some supplementaries, but first, what are your qualifications? I'm a physicist and an engineer, electrical engineer. Oh, cool job, physicist. Um, explain, explain them, yeah, what, what does the magnetic North Pole mean then? Why is it called the magnetic North Pole? Very interesting. If you have a look, it's moved from Hudson's Bay to the North Pole in the last few years. Has it? it, it, it yes, it's just, uh, we don't know, but oh. it's to, to do with the iron core of the Earth and it, its rotation. And it... Oh, no... No, phone line's gone. Uh, yeah, technology's defeated us. Uh, professor Hall is here. Professor Hall is the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. Um, I'd have thought you were going to have a crack at the magnets question, but we've just answered that, so you must be here for a different reason. I, I wanted to, to put some meat on the bones for um, the caffeine question and also to give the same two answers I gave before with a little bit of... On the caffeine on question. I thought I could remember the answer and I couldn't, so that's why you're here. Go on, then. I'm okay. not taking away the round of applause from the nice chap in Congleton, though. No, 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 it's fine. I, yeah. I, I, anyway, the, the, the fact of the matter is the, pr the problem you have is you want to take away one organic compound from coffee but leave yeah. all the others in. And the yeah, thing about correct. coffee is... Um, it's all the aromatic. I mean, old coffee tastes vile because all the nice aromatic stuff's gone away. Oh, yes. And so there are various methods of doing it. One is to just um, soak the beans in a solvent that will dissolve the caffeine. And That's um, what our caller essentially said, although he didn't use the word solvent. Yeah, so um, something like ethyl acetate, which is the smell of pear drops or used in marker pens. Oh, yeah, or, I like I don't know, eth ethylene chloride. And the thing about these days and the times in which we live, no one really likes using solvents anymore, like in paints and, and certainly not something you're going to drink. And so there's a thing called the Swiss water process. Oh, yeah. Um, whereby what you do is you make um, a huge vat of incredibly strong coffee. It's so strong that it's effectively saturated with everything it can be saturated with. And then you remove the caffeine. So it's effectively coffee without the caffeine you use a solvent and then you soak your beans your new beans in this and what happens is the caffeine migrates into the, into the water around them leaving the beans without the caffeine it's absolutely ingenious it's all about partition coefficients and as soon as you've done that you can then so the really drain... really strong coffee sucks the caffeine out of the beans yes it's a little without bit like taking you... any flavor 
Yes, ex- all the, because the um, oh, the hot, very hot coffee is completely saturated with everything else. It, yeah. it cannot dissolve anything else. All the everything else stays in the beans, but because we've removed the caffeine from it, only the caffeine migrates into the liquid around the beans, leaving everything else in the beans. You then mm-hmm. drain away the very hot coffee, and then you can remove the caffeine again and reuse it each time. Where, where did you, when did you learn that? Well, actually, um, it's something we use in... Um, we have a natural products... Um, module oh, we yeah. talk about things like extraction of caffeine from tea we actually use or limonene from orange peel and it's one of the things we use that it's a lovely lovely module um run by myself and a chap called dr olivia you always go modest when you start talking about your faculty it's quite funny because you sound quite cocky and that's obviously coming from me that's not a criticism you sound quite cocky when you're cracking on with a mystery hour answer but when you start referring back to the faculty you always come over all humble and modest it's really charming well, I mean, I, I, I don't believe I get paid to do this. I really love what I do, and um, I get very, very enthusiastic about talking about the science, which is why I love Mystery Hour. It's infectious. It really is. And that, what was it called? The Swiss water method. Yes, it was a, a way of doing it whereby you didn't lose the lovely aromatics. You know the smell you get when you open a jar of instant coffee? Um, that sort of the first, the first cup smell. Yeah, of course um, I do, yeah. That's the lovely aromatics, which is so volatile. Um, so the first cup of coffee from a jar always tastes much nicer than the last cup of coffee because everything's basically evaporated off. And the more you can keep in your coffee, um, the nicer and fresher it's going to um, taste and smell. Because let's be honest about it, most of flavour perception is smell rather than taste. Taste is quite primitive, but smell is the thing which gives you that kind of um, lovely feeling when you're drinking nice coffee because, and that also explains why when you've got a cold, things taste bland and uninteresting mm. because all your smell's gone away. Oh, well, it's lovely stuff. Round of applause for Professor Hal. Good man. Um, Brian still gets his. Uh, 12.53 is the time. Trish is in Dorset. Trish, question or answer? I have an answer for you, James. Carry on, Trish. Um, it's about your urban foxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah here's a mystery. Well, where could they possibly get water from? Well, James, we know that urban foxes are highly opportunistic and they have the ability to modify their behaviour as an adaptation to urban stresses. Yes. We also know that individuals choose a home range that ensures that it meets their basic needs, i.e. food, shelter, water. Yes. But, like it or not, James, mm-hmm. um, we there are some societies that do recommend that bowls of water, especially during these long periods without rain, i.e. drought, um, do place bowls of water out because of the stresses that can be placed on individuals because the natural notice, forces drying I, up. Well, between you and me, Trish, I didn't notice any foxes placing bowls of water out for my chickens before they killed them. No, indeed. Uh, but, you know, such is the way with urban foxes. When there's a will, there's a way, and they will find it. Yes. No, I, I, so they get they, they just find water. I mean, you've seen them as well. That go, there's water in food, but also yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll go through rubbish bins and presumably bite through plastic bottles and get water out of that. But otherwise, oh, they'll, yeah. but they'll do what yeah. dogs do. They'll get water from the same places dogs do. And, of course, you don't have to leave bowls out for dogs because they're usually being watered by their owners. Indeed. But, so you know, so I, I, was, like I, was, I was perhaps unduly dismissive of the question, but everything I said was correct. Indeed. What are your qualifications? <laughs> I'm an ecologist. Oh, so you put water bowls out for... <laughs> for my hedgehogs, yes. <laughs> for hedgehogs. I don't mind hedgehogs, but how can you Indeed. stop a fox from coming and drinking your hedgehog's water, you see? You're accidentally <laughs> sustaining the fox po- population. Well, you know, by helping one species, you help them all, I'm afraid. A round of applause for Trish the ecologist. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 12.55 is the time. Peter is in Slough. Peter, question or answer? 
Well, it's a bit of an answer. Right. I just wanted to pull you up because I have this overwhelming need to be right all the time. So I've got. I could recommend I think a book. I might write a book. Go on. What have you no, got? It's, a, it's your Dutch courage thing. I think you're right in part. But my understanding was that it was in fact Dutch sailors that were bringing provisions into London during the plague. Yeah. And in order to do it, they drank themselves into a basic state of stupor to give themselves the courage to to to, to sail into plague-ridden London. That was my understanding. When was the plague? When was when when, 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 when was the plague? Sixteen hundred and something. Wasn't yeah, it was sixteen hundred and what though? Odd. Sixteen what? Well, precisely, it was a great fire in London was sixteen sixty-six. Yeah, because I I'm that, pretty sure like, I'm I think that this goes back to the Thirty Years' War, which started in sixteen eighteen. So my definition of Dutch courage in relation to uh, Geneva or gin would actually trump. <laughs> It would actually trump your plague-based... Don't you bring Trump into this argument. I'm going to give you a round of applause for being a good sport and giving me an opportunity to plug my book, which is 30... Do you know how many books, more books I needed to sell last week to be number one in the entire country? You were still number one that three weeks in no, the that's top. In, that's that, outrageous. That, that's the Saturday Times I was still number one, but that's just, yeah, that's just one bookshop. In the Sunday Times, it's everything, online, retail... And I'm number two again. I'm number two again next week. But guess how many more books I had to sell to be number one? (laughs) Oh, go on. You need to share this. Go on. 32. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. 32. So if I took my copy back, would that knock you off? It's too late now. It's too... No, no, I'm 32. I'm in second place by 32. So if I'd known that it was that close, I'd have gone out and bought 40. And the bloke who's back at the top, he's like a Band-Aid to my last Christmas, is Adam Kay, the, 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 the... doctor who's written a brilliant book that's been in the top 10 for about 60 weeks and he's also my guest on full disclosure today which uh we'll be releasing in the next couple of weeks which means i'm probably going to help him sell more books to keep me (sighs) off the top spot matt's in chester matt very briefly question or answer answer rolling up the red carpet comes from ancient persia does it the trading stations on the Silk Road for uh, watering the camels were lined with camel hair carpets, Ooh. which were dyed red. Do we know red why? Is the most common, red's the most common plant dye in that region. Right. And camel hair carpets are extremely hard-wearing, so the roads didn't wear out. Qualifications? My other half is a very proud Persian. That's a beautiful answer. Have a round of applause on me. And that's it. We've, have we done everything on that? I'm going to scratch off the motorways question because it was rubbish. We've done the foxes and the magnets, the red carpets, tarmac we dropped the ball on. But never mind, that was a, a deeply satisfying, deeply, deeply satisfying mystery hour, despite its very inauspicious start. Uh, we'll do it all again, shall we? I, I'm, I'm game if you are. Tomorrow morning from 10? Yeah? Yeah? OK, it's a date. Here's Ian Payne. Thank you very much, Ian Payne, in for Sheila. This week, a new poll says that the Labour Party now has the lowest level of support since records began in the 1940s. A YouGov poll, which was commissioned by the Times newspaper, says Labour are fourth behind the Conservatives, the Brexit Party and the Lib Dems. They're on 18%, falling another 2% from last week. Now, I know there will be a lot of you saying, well, we don't believe in polls or experts, it's fake news and the media is anti-Jeremy Corbyn. But come on, 18%, and they're in opposition. So why is their support struggling? I think their unclear policy on Brexit's a factor. What do they stand for? Anti-Semitism's another. And maybe the drip feed of stories bashing Mr Corbyn, who's met with the head of the civil service today, to call for an inquiry into leaks suggesting he's too ill and frail to be Prime Minister.